Hello ladies and gents, welcome to another episode of Disproportion, episode 7 in fact. Good grief. Can you believe we're at episode 7 already? I can, you know why? Because this will be the 7th one I'm doing and uh, that's how maths works. 6 plus 1, 7. Similarly, 5 plus 2, also 7. Amazing. Uh, yeah, episode 7, we've got an awful lot of things that I want to cover this week. We've got some uh, weird news to come your way a little later on. I'll also be looking at Small Gripes Court, where you guys over the last seven days have been letting me know the small things that have annoyed you disproportionately. Uh, we'll be talking the annoying things about summer. We'll also have a, our weekly segment, Burn It, where we'll take the worst possible version of a particular object or item. And this week, I'll tell you, we are focusing on chocolate bars. So yeah, it's going to be good. With that said, should we get started? I think we probably should. Something I want to talk about, guys, is uh, firstly, how has the internet not killed off the idea of paper invites to a party? <laughs> I was in a corner shop the other day, you know one of those corner shops that stocks absolutely everything like yeah sure you can get bread in here, you can get your tabs, you can get booze but you can also use our little mini post office, you can get yourself 12 eggs if you like or you fancy bag of lemons, there they are, you want a Mars bar, you're on but additionally if you need some rubber bands, chalk, one of those little polystyrene gliders for your kids to play with, a pot of bubbles you can get it, but additionally, something that still exists that I had no idea about is a pack of 10 invites to a kid's party. Paper-based ones that go into envelopes. I was kind of overjoyed to see them, because I'd assumed that the fact that the internet exists, that Facebook group exists, that, you know, being able to message people exists, would have put that kind of thing out of business. But paper invites for kids' parties still exist. They're still pirate-themed if you're a boy or got a football on them and they're still pink and very princess based if you're a girl but they exist that's the thing to focus on okay uh, but it got me thinking about one thing which is a uh, paper invites or rather formal invites to parties have always been purely for small children and really really posh people <laughs> if you're above the age of eight and anything other than upper middle class to upper class. There's no way you've ever received a paper invite or a card invite to somebody's party. It's mental. It's mental the way it's only open to those two particular groups. Thinking about invites got me onto this whole idea of people celebrating absolutely everything. I don't know if you've seen, for me, being a, you know, a bit old now, it's wild that kids have, over here in Britain, have like an American-style prom. That they all do the classic things we used to see in films. Of like, you know, getting a prom dress, getting into the flipping really tacky limousine, <laughs> probably getting drunk in it like every American teenage film you've ever seen. Uh, 
I don't object to that so much now, I've got used to the idea, but I've seen that people are having proms at graduation parties for their kids graduating from primary school! Literally, your kid is not even in senior school yet, not even in high school yet, and you are literally getting them dressed up in the little cloak, in the little hat, having a graduation party, having special meals for it. Guys, we need to chill out. There's only so many celebrations people can fork out for. And while we're on the subject of that, this was my main point, guys, about celebrations, unneeded ones. Now, this is a controversial point, don't get me wrong, okay? Some of you might be thinking, whoa, steady on, Mike, this applies to me. Well, it might do, I'm sorry, I'm gonna have to say it. If you are on your third marriage, okay, your fourth marriage, don't be having a bridal shower. At this point, it just looks like you enjoy gifts more than you enjoy being married, yeah? I don't understand these women who have the cheek. Third and fourth marriages to be inviting people to a bridal shower or even having agreeing to have a bridal shower. Also, if you're on your fifth, sixth kid, fourth, fifth, sixth kid, don't be having any baby showers. Anything you need for your kid, you have now times four, okay? <laughs> also, you don't, you obviously don't need any help in getting the essentials for a baby. Not only do you already own everything, as you already have four kids, but you clearly have enough money to be able to keep that. Listen, don't expect people to keep the same level of excitement when you're pushing out your fifth and sixth kid, okay? It's not gonna happen. Yeah, your kids are incredibly cute. We, we think they're great. We wish them all the best. But we don't want to come to another party for it. I'm certainly not bringing you another gift, okay? If it's your fourth marriage, you're clearly not very good at this. Maybe take a step back. And, you, you know, if you absolutely can't stop yourself from getting married for a fourth or fifth time, if you can't be self-aware enough to think, maybe I should work on myself, or maybe this just isn't for me, then at least... You know, if, if you've got the bowels to organise your own, that's one thing. People who organise their own baby showers, bridal showers, that's nuts. But don't allow someone else to organise one for you. Don't attend one that's for you. And finally, let's make a definitive rule. Listen, if we're going to talk graduating parties for kids, if your kid still has a packed lunch, they're too young to be having a graduation party. If your kid still wants a Dairy Lee Dunker in their packed lunchbox, they're too young to be having a prom, yeah? That that goes. Let's let's set out the rules here and now. For kids, Dairy D Lunk Dairy D <laughs> Dairy Lee Dunkers and uh packed lunches means you are too young to be having a prom. For marriages, marriage number three, marriage number four, don't be holding a bridal shower. For parents, kid number four, kid number five, that is too many for you to be having a baby shower, okay? That's the rules, let's abide by them. Thank you. This was a public announcement message by Mike. Okay guys, uh, are you aware of the abbreviation CA? Do you know what CA means if I say it? I'm talking C for cat and A for apple, okay? I wasn't until I started over the last week watching trailers uh, for, a, for a movie, a short film I'm really excited to watch. And in the comment section, by a, not, all, not everyone by any stretch, but by a predominant group of people, 
uh, with just the abbreviation CA, no mention of how beautiful, how beautifully it was shot, no mention of how cinematic it was, how much artistry was there in those trailers, just this abbreviation CA. And I hate being behind and not knowing what something means, so I typed it in CA, uh, and you know what came up? Cultural appropriation. Now, this isn't a term I'm a big fan of generally, but I'm aware it, it has its uses, okay? If you're taking sacred objects or artifacts from one culture and just using them as set dressing or like a design on a shirt, yeah, that's not cool. Uh, but you are allowed to have influences that aren't from your immediate geographical background. You can't be saying essentially, Mike, you are uh, a white male from Teesside, so you may only enjoy the culture of, sport the, the typical apparel of, a white male from Teesside, alright? That isn't cool. Uh, what I realised is that the most woke people nowadays, these younger, really left-leaning kids, would hate the village people. I'm talking about people that were at the forefront of kind of the gay LGBT before it had a name community in the 70s nowadays would be hated by the people who purport to be their besties. Because, well, if you look at the village people, they'd look at the Native American guy and go, is that cultural appropriation? He's wearing a Native American headdress. What proportion of this guy, which percentage of him is Native American or is it cultural appropriation? They'd be looking at the black guy dressed as a cop and they would lose their flipping minds. They'd be like, I don't know, we call him all kind. Maybe they'd call him an Uncle Tom. Terrible, terrible. They'd look at the guy who's meant to be a builder in his hard hat with a screwdriver, immediately judge him as a white van man and assume that he's racist. They'd call him a gammon. You know, they'd be seeing the the black guy dressed as a sailor. They'd say he's upholding a fascist system. They're <laughs> upholding the patriarchy. Terrible. Terrible. I feel like the only guy they'd be on board with would be the biker with the massive handlebar moustache. And uh, even then, even then, maybe they'd accuse him of this new thing, queer baiting. I don't know if you've heard that term. That's when someone's trying to pass as gay or queer when they're not. They'd want like a full record of your previous sexual and romantic partners just to make sure there's no women in there. Otherwise, you're queer baiting. Ah, people... People are just making life really hard for themselves in the future. Boxing themselves in so severely, it's terrible. I mean, the village people, come on. Come on. If future generations aren't prepared to, at a disco, I don't believe YMCA will ever not be played at a wedding disco. 100 years time where we don't even have, by any means, the same kind of technology for playing music. By some method, YMCA will have travelled to the next 100 years just to be played really, really, really late in the night at wedding-based after-do discos, all right? Grandmas up on the dance floor, still doing the dance. The dance will be passed down, the music will be passed down. What I'm saying is, listen, if you've got so woke that you can't appreciate the village people, maybe you're a little too woke, you know? Okay, guys, time for a small hmm, hmm, call to action. Yeah, if you're enjoying the podcast, can I encourage you, uh, wherever you're currently streaming, go give the podcast a like, uh, give it a, give it a, I was going to say follow, subscribe to the podcast, yeah? Subscribe so you know when it drops 
every single week. Uh, and if you if you've got 20 seconds spare, give it a rating. I'd suggest the top star rating on whichever platform you're currently using. But that's pretty much up to you, isn't it? Cheers. You know room 101, yeah? You know how that operates. You, uh, you find the worst possible version of something, something that everybody just uniformly kind of hates, then that just get bunged in a room uh, where once in there it disappears from the outside world. No longer exists. Well, yeah, it's time for our budget version of that and we call it Bin It. It's time for Bin It, guys, that's right. Uh, this week the question was, what is the worst chocolate bar on earth? Put that across all social medias and we got an awful lot of replies in. People have very strong feelings on chocolate bars, unsurprisingly. I've noticed in previous weeks, by the way, that uh, if you ask very serious questions, or more thought-provoking questions. You get very little reply. However, if you ask about very mundane things, you will get very, very strongly worded replies. And I love that because that's what this particular podcast is based on. Small things that annoy us disproportionately. If I can spit me words out, right. Uh, yeah, where's Chocolate Bar? Let's have a look at some of the replies before we decide what's going in the bin. Based on the most votes, of course, as always. Uh, anything American, or so I'm told, that's from Rob Owen, who is in America, says Hershey's. Um, Jacob says Time Out. Sheila goes with Hershey's, it's truly disgusting. Uh, where are we? Chopcorn! Nathan Barrett goes for Chopcorn, which is like chocolate-based popcorn in a bar form. Uh, I'm aware that that is a dig at me because of my... Uh, by now, I should imagine universe famous uh, popcorn based uh, rants and campaign. By the way, if you haven't seen it, go away after the podcast, type in Mike Shot and Popcorn Ban in at Google. You'll know what we're talking about whenever this gets brought up in future weeks. Uh, right, Fries Creams, that's from Justin. Rob Waite says Blue Ribbon. That's an old school one. Do they still make blue ribbons? That was, that's, that's what I consider like an 80s biscuit. It's up there with clubs. Yeah. Uh, Hershey's Chocolate, that's again from Beryl. Let's be honest, Hershey's is getting an absolute batter in here. Uh, Charlotte says all American chocolate. This is a lot of Americans writing in, by the way. This isn't just British people bashing any American-based chocolates. Um, where are we? Yeah, Hershey's Chocolate Kisses, so people have got specific with it now. Picnic or Galaxy Bars. Uh, Curly Whirly. Uh, and what else we got? Finger of Fudge. So yeah, we've got a Fudge bar right there. We've got a Claire's. Uh, more Hershey's. And... Oh, Bourneville. Pure Evil, someone said. I'd agree with that. Listen, we've talked in previous shows about dark chocolate. Nobody wants to eat it. Don't ever buy people dark chocolate as gifts for Christmas or anything like that. You will notice, as I've said in previous weeks, or in one previous week, when you go around someone's house in mid-January, you will notice that all of the chocolate from Christmas is long gone, but what still remains is that box of black magic because people don't like dark chocolate. If you are under 60, not diabetic, you're not eating dark chocolate, let's be fair. Uh, and yeah, dark chocolate, anything someone said. We'll take one last one because this has gone on for a while now, hasn't it? Me just raiding out people's uh, preferences for chocolate. Uh, and galaxy, just galaxy. There we go. Well, listen. Uh, your top three, 
After having a, a second re-look just now at what got the most clicks, bear in mind I didn't read everything out, there was an awful lot more than that, but way too many to read out in one show. Uh, but yeah, the, the three things are the top three for this week that we're going to pick from are between Hershey's Kisses, a standard Hershey's bar, so Hershey's not doing well out with this at all, uh, and Bourneville, which got a fair few votes as well. I will say, I agree on both fronts, or... Well, both fronts, yeah, between the three. Anything that's Hershey's, I haven't discovered to... The only thing I can kind of get away with, I can have, like, one Hershey's peanut butter cup. Oh, no, that's Reese's! Yeah, no, Hershey's is awful! Fair dues. Reese's, yeah, that's not the same thing. Yeah, Hershey's is bad. Every time I've had it, bad, but so's Bourneville. It's like unapologetic dark chocolate, which is the worst kind of dark chocolate. The, you know, the wrapping is still from the Victorian era. They haven't really changed it. Uh, and the worst thing about Bourneville is it still tastes like one that was made in the Victorian era. They have made no attempt. Come on. Right, I've done the count up and, uh, yeah. Your winner slash loser, however you want to phrase it, and bin getting binned this week is Hershey's. Just generally, the kisses, the bars, everything Hershey's, chocolate-based is going in. It's waxy, it's awful, it turns out an awful lot of people, including a lot of North Americans and Canadians, do not like it. So, Hershey's, it's going in the bin. That is binned, right. We're going to move straight on now, guys, because we're going to be uh, a little short for time, I think, if we're not careful. I never like the podcast to go over 35 minutes because, you know, I know you're all busy people and, uh, you know, if I've rambled too much, that's probably not going to be uh, too much fun, is it? Right. Uh, this week, I was very specific about small gripe score. I didn't want just the things that have been annoying you over the last week. I wanted to know what are the worst things about this particularly hot summer we are currently enjoying over the last week or so. It's been very humid, very sweaty. Lovely that it's been sunny though. So I said, I know summer is amazing, but what are the worst things about summer? Let me tell you the replies. So Sharla says, leather car seats. Sheila comes in with wasps. Can't avoid them anywhere. That is true. Uh, Owen says, when standing in line at a shop and you catch a whiff of B.O. from the person in front of you, and then you anxiously wonder if the person behind you thinks it's you. <laughs> that is perfect. I've had that experience. You think, who is that? Oh, that stinks. And you realise it is someone else. But everybody else might not have picked up it's someone else. And the anger that you feel that, listen, you mother crushes better not be thinking that's coming from me. I am clean, all right? And then, and you won't even catch me wearing any links, any of that stinky business. No, no, it's not me. Don't be thinking it's me. Drunk idiots buy her bad hygiene, says Jojo. Uh, Amy says hair fever. Sophie says chafing. <laughs> oh, I can relate. I can relate. Anna says hair fever. Uh, James says uh, having to get lathered up in sun cream before venturing outside. Barry goes with sticky nuts. Fair dues. Uh, Rob says the price of a 99, they have gone up disproportionately, eh? See what I did there? Yeah, listen, 99s, I remember when you get one of them for like 59p, good grief, you're paying the best part of two quid now for a 99. 99 should never be more than 99p, it just feels wrong. Something's out of kilter in the world if you're paying £1.89 for a 99. It just doesn't sound right, come on. Let's have some symmetry, eh? In the, uh, in the name and the price. Uh, Adele says the feeling of guilt when you use the tumble dryer instead of getting a load out on the washing line. Uh, Fiona goes with cars hotter than Hades. Yeah. 
John goes with the ice cream melting way too quickly. Keith, who is now located in an exotic <laughs> location, says where I live, British tourists. <laughs> yeah, fair dues. Leon, flies and midges. We've got other answers like wasps, uh, being fat, <laughs> uh, bird singing at 3.30am, chavs, chav lads going topless, uh, unavoidable seagulls if you live anywhere near the coast. Laura says all my kids up all night long even though they have blackout blinds and curtains up. And finally, uh, Andy says the worst thing about the summer in the UK by far is that by the time we get to the summer, the days are getting shorter. That is a jip, isn't it? That is a jip. Just as the days get nicer, there's less day to be had. Terrible. Yeah, so that's small gripes caught for this week. Those are the small things that have been annoying you guys disproportionately this week about the summer. So, while we were all cleaning up the other day now, so we were doing a bit of a tidy, family tidy up session, we had a playlist playing and it wasn't one of our making and a song came on uh, that made me crack up. I mean, it made me skip immediately, but it made me crack up as well. And that track was, uh, it was a track by Craig David from, I'm guessing, the very, very, very early 2000s, okay? And it made me crack up the key reason is, I mean, come on, first of all, it's Craig David. But secondly, that, that Doyle used to say his name at the start of every track. I know that is a, a well-known thing about Craig David, but it got me thinking about all the other artists over the decades that have done the same. How nuts it is, but how many of them routinely do it. And so with that in mind, we're going to discuss a couple and I'm going to put together for you a little top of the pop style top 10 of uh, artists who like to say their own name at the start of their tracks, okay? There might be something you've forgotten. Who knows? Let's take a look. Who are, you, who are you guessing is going to be on this list, okay? I've got 10 names in front of me. In your mind now, I'm going to give you 10 seconds, okay? Put together in your own mind, or maybe pause the episode. Maybe that's better. And uh, see if you can think of five people who do it routinely. We'll see if they match. Okay, have you done that? Right. So, on this list, I'm going to tell you three of the names and then, you know, we'll have a little bit of chat and then we'll, uh, we'll go into the top ten itself, okay? So, Craig David, obviously. Two more that immediately sprung to mind after I thought of Craig David were Tony Braxton. It's a bit of an old school one for you, that's from the 90s. She used to not only just say her name, but sensually whisper her name at the start of every one of her tracks. By the way, Tony Braxton was flipping nuts. Do you remember that video? I think it was from Break My Heart, a very famous video in the 90s. It was very popular. But it was literally her making out with Mike Tyson in the pool. <laughs> and I was thinking, are you sure about this, love? <laughs> like, this, bear in mind, this was, it just got like assault charges and stuff. At the time, he was probably the hardest man on the planet. Uh, and also very well known for being particularly volatile. I don't know if it was before or after the rape charges, but listen, it didn't seem like a... She didn't seem like a girl who was going for the safest bets, let's say that. And the third name I'm going to tell you about is one that I'd forgotten about. 
and then uh, I was uh, I was talking to my wife about people who do it, and then he suddenly just sprung to mind. I remembered it, and I thought, oh, that is nuts. That doesn't even fit with the genre of music he does. But it was uh, it was another one from the nineties, early nineties call here. So uh, you know, a lot of you missing him might not remember. Do you guys know Michael Bolton? Do you recall Michael Bolton? I'm talking. How am I supposed to live without you? You know that kind of thing. One of the start of his songs, he routinely gave it to Michael Bolton. It was a whisper, but it wasn't sensual. He was letting you know, listen, it's Michael here. I'm here. I've got a song for you. Flipping buckle up. It's about to get very gravelly. I'm about to sound like Sean Dyche in a wig. I used to have a theory that Michael Bolton just adopted Rod Stewart's wigs once he was done with them. And his voice when it was like, I've got a new theory. Michael Bolton and Rod Stewart, have they ever been in the same place at the same time? Have they ever been seen together? I've got a feeling he might be collecting two sets of wages, two incomes. Because I mean, it's the same hairpiece, it's near enough the same voice. They're both tiny little skinny men who've never put weight on despite being middle-aged or much older. I don't know how that's done, by the way. So yeah, we've had Craig David, we've had Tony Braxton, we've had Michael Bolton. Right, do you want your chart? Of course you do. Let's do your chart right now. Guys, it's time for your top 10. Artists who say their names at the start of tracks. New in at number 10, every rapper beyond the year 1993. A new entry at number 9, it's Soldier Boy. A non-mover this week at number 8, it's T-Pain. A number 7, it's Britney Bitch. A number 6, the aforementioned Michael Bolton. A number 5, it's the quasi-Cuban Pitbull. At number four, we've already talked about her, it's Tony Braxton. Another new entry rocketing up the charts, it's a uh, Usher, Usher. And number two, another non-mover for Jason Derulo. And right at the top of the chart since... Since 1999, it's Craig David. That's your chart for this week, guys, that is... Artists that say their names at the start of every track. I haven't even released it yet, and I already regret putting that in. But uh, but I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. It'll probably be fine. It'll be fine. Oh, time for a very short call to action, guys. If I can get you guys, whichever platform you're currently listening on, if you could go give the podcast uh, a like and a subscribe, and if you're up to it, a star rating. I'd suggest the highest one that's on there, but you know that's up to you. Cheers. We uh we do want to grow this podcast, though. We really do. In your uh your ratings and your comments and your uh, your likes, your subscriptions, it all helps. It all helps. Guys, I had a particularly traumatic experience the other day. Should it have been traumatic? Definitely not. But let me tell you what happened. I was looking through the posts on a, 
a Facebook group that I like. The only reason I'm still on Facebook is to check out the post on Rate My Plate. Now, if you're not aware of it, basically people post photos of the food that they have prepared. Maybe it's great looking food and they're hoping for praise. They won't get it, but maybe that's what they're hoping for. Uh, maybe they're trolling people and posting purposely bad photos of food. Uh, but the whole idea basically is people post a photo of the food they've made and then everybody in a very artistic way slates that plate of food in the most brutal way possible unless it's literally three star Michelin business that you've posted. Uh, and so it's always very funny to read the comments section. Now, uh, one meal that always gets particularly rough treatment is the roast because quite often if it's somebody who thinks that a roast dinner is you know the best that food gets you know you're dealing with a particular group of people let's put it that way i love a roast as much as the next man but if you think that's the pinnacle of food you have pretty uh, low expectations not only of what food can be but probably in how you're going to prepare it and what your what your standards are let's put it that way so anyway someone had posted a photo of this roast and you know what it looked pretty good you know what i mean it was someone who knew what they were doing the meat looked nice and tender the gravy looked on point the, none of the usual complaints were there the Yorkshire pudding didn't look dried out it had risen all that kind of business that people would normally point out however although the plate looked normal to me when I looked in the comments one comment struck me a four word combo has never shaken my world quite this much it made me question well my life up to this point really and it was these four words the broccoli is upside down. What does that even mean? I looked at the plate to see what they meant because I hadn't picked up on it. Basically, the broccoli was head down on the plate. You know what I'm saying, don't you? Like stalk facing upwards towards the top of the plate. The, the main breadth of the broccoli was facing towards the bottom of the plate but it just made me question everything is it just me that didn't consider despite considering myself you know quite artistic didn't see that and consider it upside down is everybody else when looking at plates seeing that or is that just one person's weird view like how many fruits vegetables and plates of meat have I been eating over my lifetime without realising that the main part of it, whether it's broccoli, whether it's bacon, whatever, is upside down and I just haven't noticed. Can food be upside down? I mean, there's obvious examples where it can be, but broccoli, can broccoli be upside down on the plate? If it's not growing anymore? Upside down. The concept of upside down food on a plate. It's making me monitor every meal I make, every meal I see, every takeaway menu that has photos. Is there something upside down on it? Oh, just the concept of it, it really shook my whole idea of food and how it should be displayed. It, it's ruined it for me. Okay guys, we are pretty much at the end of the show, which means one thing and one thing only, and that is it is time for our weekly segment called Flipping Getting, where we uh, celebrate the uh, the very small victories in life. We celebrate the, uh, the shard of hope, the shard of light in amongst the clouds of complaint. Uh, and here we go. I asked you guys what the small victories you've had over the last few days and let's read out your replies Ooh, let's do it 
Uh, right, Sarah says it started raining just as you go to walk in the door slash bring the washing in. Yep, absolutely love that. Caroline goes with reaching the train station just as the train pulls in. Get in. That's a definite get in. What else have we got? Here we go. Paul says getting back into your car just as the parking ticket is about to run out slash go up to the next price bracket. Yeah, a definite get in there. Dean says went out for a, a good drink a few nights ago. Bit of a pub crawl. Got in. Absolutely hammered got the right key first time for the front door that is an absolute flipping getting how often does that happen by the way even if you're completely sober that just by feeling you pick up the right key first time round and then proceed to put it in the door the right way around first time doesn't happen does it one that's linked here emily says finding change in your car to pay for the parking absolutely getting i'll back that one up <laughs> dave goes with one i've experienced very seldomly here uh, when the vending machine gives you two of what you ordered instead of just the one up. Good grief. Imagine the joy. Imagine the overwhelming joy of getting two packets of knickknacks when you've only paid for one. I, I mean, that's probably happened to me once in my life. Possibly twice. Some people have a knack to that, you know. There is a knack, apparently, to getting more things out of the... Uh, vending machine than you paid for and i don't mean reaching your arm through the gap and potentially getting it stuck and having to be cut out of it by the fire department i don't mean that one cassie goes with hitting all of the green lights on the way home after a long hard day at work yeah absolutely on board with that one that is an absolute get in and we'll read uh, we'll read a couple more Terry says there are no better feelings in life than getting the good weather day you'd prayed for on an outside event that you'd planned. I can absolutely imagine that. And finally for this week in getting, this comes in from Neil. <laughs> Someone you know pulling over and offering you a lift when you stood at the bus stop getting soaked. That is an absolute flipping getting. That is your get-ins for this week. We always like to give you a, a small ray of sunshine in between the clouds of complaint. That is your get-in. And that is the end of the episode for this week, guys. The end of episode seven. I'll see you back here on Wednesday for episode eight, rather. In the meantime, don't forget to uh, like the podcast, subscribe, wherever you're listening, whichever platform you're using. And uh, by all means, share it with your friends. We want to grow this bad boy. I'll see you next week, okay? Ta-ta.